Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. Acts chapter 10. Pull out your Bibles, your apps, whatever you need. But I want you to follow with me today. I'm excited about this word this morning. I feel like it's very appropriate, especially as we're heading into our time of pursuit and just um, uh, just that goal, as Clayton has said here, of 100 souls. And uh, how many of you know Christianity is not just an event? It's a lifestyle. And really, as we've been going through this, this theme called Fearless Church, um, really what I'm talking about is lifestyle Christianity. What you see happening throughout this book from the beginning all the way to the end was considered a normal way of living for the believers at that time. And in all reality, it's, it's to be a normal way of living for us. Um, what they saw, uh, while, it was, while the things they witnessed were common, yet they were still miraculous. Amen? Uh, they were still supernatural because, um, because what God has called us, the church, to do really is a supernatural work. Even the disciples came to Jesus when he was walking this earth and they said, Lord, who can convince anyone to come to Christ? Who can convince anybody to be saved or to accept Jesus and, and, and make him master? And Jesus' response was this, for what is, impo- what is impossible for man is not impossible for God. And so you may think that, that what you've been called to do, and we're going to talk about, today we're going to talk about fearless significance, finding significance in our life. And, and you may feel like what, I've, what, what the word is calling us to do seems beyond my reach, beyond my ability, beyond my scope. And you're right, because it takes the ability of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit working through you. In fact, whenever you declare or speak or share or uh, do anything in the name of Jesus, three, there are three people involved here, the three individuals involved in that process. You, the one you're speaking to, and God the Holy Spirit. And what is he doing? He is giving you the words to say. He's, he's giving you the compassion that it takes to, to reveal Jesus to that individual that you're, that you're fellowshipping with or you're hanging out with or you're doing life together with. And so this morning, we're going to see here where uh, there was a, a real shift that took place in the church at that time. It was brand new. It, only been, it was really only months or maybe a year old by this time uh, when we see this story. But I want to read this story. It's a story about Peter, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, And it's a story about a man named Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was not considered part of the normal church uh, circle. You know, he was a non-church type person, uh, but yet he was hungry for God. He knew that there was something that he needed, something more that he wanted. And so I'm going to read the message paraphrase here this morning. I I just appreciate the way it's written. Uh, You can follow me in your version but uh, if you have to, just listen, follow along while you listen to me. And uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1, it says, 
There was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea. He was captain of the Italian guard stationed there. And he was thoroughly, he was thoroughly a good man. And he had led everybody in his house to live worshipfully before God and was always helping people in need and had the habit of prayer. And one day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. An angel of God, as real as his next door neighbor, came and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared hard, wondering if he was seeing things. How many of you ever wondered if you're just seeing things? Then he said, what do you want, sir? And the angel said, your prayers and your neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. Here's what you are to do. Send men to Joppa. It was a town nearby. To Joppa and get Simon, the, the one everybody calls Peter. And he is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is down by the sea. And as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two servants and one particularly devout soldier from the guard. See, he was a captain of a hundred men, and so he had men at his bidding. And so he went over with them with great detail, everything that had just happened, and then sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out onto the balcony to pray. It was about noon. Peter got hungry and started thinking about lunch. So hopefully we won't have that issue here this morning before we're done. While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. In other words, he, he, he had a vision or he saw something. He saw the skies open up and something that looked like a huge blanket lowered by the ropes at its corners and then came to the ground. And every kind of animal and reptile and bird that you can think, uh, think of was in it. And then the voice came and said, go to it, Peter, kill and eat. Let me stop for just a moment. Keep in mind, Peter was a, a Jewish person. And in his raising in the Jewish faith at that time, they were told there were certain animals that were considered unclean, that they were not allowed to eat those particular animals or that it would make them unclean before God. And not only was it unclean when it comes to their spiritual walk, but it was unclean because uh, even for good health reasons at the time. And so keep in mind, Peter is about to make a, a shift here. And the word says in verse 14, and Peter says, oh no, Lord, I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. And the voice came a second time, and if, a second time, if God says it's okay, it's okay. And this happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled up back into the skies. And as Peter, as Peter puzzled, sat there trying to figure out what it all meant, the men sent by Cornelius showed up at Simon's front door and they came in asking if there was a Simon, also called Peter, staying there. And Peter, lost in thought, he didn't hear them, so the spirit whispered to him, hey, three men are knocking at the door looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Don't ask any questions. I sent them to get you. And Peter went down and said to the men, I think I'm the man you're looking for. And I like this version. It says, so what's up? What can I do for you? Verse 22, they said, Captain, Cornel they said, Captain Cornelius, a God-fearing man, well known for his fair play, ask any Jew in this part of the country, was commanded by a holy angel to get you and to bring you to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Do you realize that you have something to say? You may not think you do, but you do. 
If you're serving the Lord, if you're, if you're walking with him, you have something to say. And so Peter invited them in and made them to feel at home. And the next morning he got up and went out with them and some of his friends from Joppa went along. He ended up taking about six other people with him. And a day later, they, let, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting with him. And the minute Peter came to the door, Cornelius was up on his feet greeting him and then down on his face worshiping him. And Peter pulled him up and says, none of that. I'm a man and only a man, no different from you. And talking things over, they went into the house and where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. And Peter addressed them saying, you know, I'm... I'm sure this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this. The visit, Jews just don't do this. Visit and relax with people of another race. But God was, but God has shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. But now I'd like to know why did you send for me? And Cornelius said four days ago about this time, Mid-afternoon, I was home praying, and suddenly there was a man right in front of me flooding the room with light, and he said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and your neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want, to, I want you to send to Joppa to get Simon, the one they call Peter, and he's staying at Simon the Tanner down by the sea. And so I did, and I sent for you, and you've been good enough to come, and now we're all here in God's presence ready to listen to whatever the master puts on your heart to tell us. And Peter exploded with his good news, saying, it's good, it's, it's God's own truth, nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. Can you say that with me? God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. And the message he sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everybody, not just the Jews. And you know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached the total life changed. Then Jesus from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. And he was able to do all this because God was with him. And we saw it and saw it all. Everything he did in the land of the Jews and in, the, in Jerusalem, we were uh, where they killed him and hung him on a cross. But in three days, God had him up and alive and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He, was, he wasn't uh, put on public display. Witnesses had been carefully handpicked by God beforehand, us. We were the ones. We uh, there to eat and drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to announce this in public. Pursuit, the theme of pu- pursuit is we're going public with this. Can you say amen? To bear solemn witness that he is, the, that he is in fact the one whom God destined as judge of the living and the dead. But we're not alone in this our witness that he is the means for forgiveness of sins is backed up by the witnesses of all the prophets. And no sooner had these words out of, come out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came upon the listeners and the believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it, couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on outsider, non-Jews, but there it was. They, were, they heard them speaking in tongues, 
heard them praising God. And then Peter said, do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends in water? They've received the Holy Spirit exactly as we did. Hearing no objections, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Peter stayed for a few days. I know that was a lot of verses to read, but there's, that's a story that's told of Peter and told of this encounter. And so in, in this chapter 10, uh, it was a significant, it, it became the birth of the non-Jewish Gentile church. Up to this point, anybody that was being preached to was primarily Jews. They were pre, it was like, it's like me as a white pastor only preaching to white people. It's like a Hispanic pastor, a Hispanic witness, only preaching to Hispanic. You realize uh, several decades ago, Martin Luther King said that uh, Sunday morning is the most segregated two hours of the week. Blacks go to black church, whites go to white church, Hispanics go to Hispanic church. But according to the book of Acts, according to the word of God, that is not what God intended. Can you say amen? In other words, that we only talk to, we only preach to, we only celebrate those who look and talk and act and have the same background as we do. And this would be a significant, this would be a significant turning point uh, in the church at that time where they were no longer just preaching to people that they knew or that were of like color or like background, but they were, but, but as Peter would say, it is a truth, I'm discovering it even at this moment, that God is no respecter of persons. Amen? I mean, I grew up, you know, many of you have born and raised here in Hermiston, and, and the primary population is whites and Hispanics, about 50-50. Where I grew up, it, the primary population was white and black. And so I grew up in a different context, a different place. And, and yes, it, uh, it is different being a, a white guy walking into a black family's home and seeing Jesus as a black man with an afro. Being honest with you. In other words, are you willing to get out of your comfort zone and hang out with people that are not like you? And I'm not just talking about race, I'm talking about age. As a 20-something, are you willing to hang out with a 50-something? As a 60-something, are you willing to hang out with a 30-something? Are you willing to go beyond your comfort zone and not just talk to people of like interest and, and, and it look like you and talk like you? I, I've learned over and over again, you cannot judge a book by its cover. We're all made out of the same fabric. We're made out of flesh and bone and blood and sinew and and we all have the same desire. And what is that desire? It's the desire for significance. It's the desire for purpose, value, to be loved for who we are and not just what we do. Amen? Come on, you can preach with me this morning. You can help me out here. It's, it's that desire for significance. And so this morning, we want to talk about fearless significance. And so everybody wants their life to matter. They don't want to just be a good father. They want to be a great father. Don't just want to be a good mother, but be a great mother. Don't just want to be a good employer or employee, but every one of us has something in us to say, you know what? I want to be the best. I want to do everything that, 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 that is on my heart or what's in my life. And, and, and this man, Cornelius, he was a man. He was already, in, 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 the, in the eyes of man, he was already a man of significance. He was a captain over 100 men in the Roman army. 
And so he could tell people when to go and when to come and what to do. But in reality, we'll see here in this story that, that he was like a man just like any one of us. He still lacked significance. He still knew there was something missing in his life. And so uh, as a father, as an employer, as a seeker of God, uh, Cornelius was such a man. And so in this depiction here, Peter, as we look at this chapter, Peter would have a revelation regarding religious prejudice or just prejudice, while Cornelius would have a revelation of the love of God. How many of you know when you have an encounter with the love of God, you have significance? You experience, you realize that there is a God who loves you. You realize there is a God who, can, who, who looks at you and values you and, and, and says you are valuable to me, you are priceless. You cannot put a price on the soul of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. I pray that even by this time this service is over, that something would just begin to be uh, touched, struck a chord in your heart today. Even as we enter pursuit and beyond pursuit, I pray that in this season of 2017, that, that you cannot walk by an individual in the, in, in, on the street or in the marketplace. You cannot walk by them without feeling a heart of compassion for them, without feeling what Jesus feels. In other words, that we need to be moved by what moves Jesus. There are going to be times this year, I, I promise you if, you, will, if you will give your heart to this and say, Lord, I want to be that. I want to, I want to walk that way. I want to have that. I want, I want to be a person of significance. I want to know that, that I am firmly grounded in the love of God. And when you do that, you're going to find that when you walk by individuals that you don't even know, you will be moved with compassion for that individual. I don't care if they're dressed in a three-piece suit or they're walking the streets as a homeless man in Hermiston. That something will move you. And compassion is not just saying, oh, I have pity on them. But compassion will move you to do something about it. The Bible says that Jesus was out one day and he saw the multitudes. And the word says he was moved with compassion. Compassion is not just talking about it and saying, wow, I love them from a distance, or wow, I wish I could do something. No, compassion means you will do something. If you have to give the coat off your back, if you have to offer them a cup of water in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, everyone is looking for significance. Even that homeless man, Dean, that everybody knows about, believe it or not, he wants to know that he is loved. Come on, church. He wants to know that he is significant. The businessman that runs the business that you work for, believe it or not, he may have it all together. It may seem like everything is going well, but in all reality, he is searching, she is searching for significance. To know that, the, that something is missing, to know that something, while they're doing all these things, yet there's not enough money to satisfy that longing and that emptiness in their heart. And so, my first point being this, we see here that Cornelius had a vision. Cornelius, uh, he had an uh, angelic visit, was, which was God's response to his hunger for significance. What, I, what I mean by that? Need for acceptance. We see here that an angel appeared to him, and, and the angel told him, he says, you know what? You have captured God's heart. You've gotten God's attention. 
You know, a lot of people do a lot of good things, and, and there's a lot of people in the world that, when I say the world, I mean non-church, non-believers, people who do not profess Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who do a lot of good things, but I'm telling you what, it's not our, it's not our good works that saves us. It's the gift of God. It's freely, it's, it, there was a great price paid. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one, they paid a great price by giving, the, by giving Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins. And, uh, and so people tell me all the time when I talk to them, you know, how do you think you're going to heaven or what do you, what do you think eternal life is all about? And they say, well, you know, I'm a good person. I pay my bills. I, I'm good to my spouse. I, I, I provide a good home. I'm, you know, I'm a good individual. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that for by grace are we saved, it's not of good works, lest we should boast about it. It's the gift of God. But we see here in Cornelius' life that he had a knowledge. In fact, Peter in his message would say, you know these things, Cornelius. You've heard of Jesus. He had heard of Jesus. But the only church that Cornelius could go to was a local synagogue. But because he was Gentile, he sat in the back of the synagogue every Sabbath. In other words, he was not treated like everybody else. All the Jews would sit to the front. All any Gentile would sit to the back. How many of you know that is not fair? How many of you know that is not what God intended? He was a man of influence, and it may have been because of his influence that he was even allowed into the synagogue every week. He was such a man of influence that he would bring all his family as well as all of his servants, the people who worked for him. They were so impressed by his, his devotion to God. He, being a Roman, could have worshipped all the gods of Rome, but he realized that's not where the peace and the joy came from. He realized it was something more. Why? Because he was looking for significance. And so we see here, he captured God's heart. He captured his attention. And then my second point is this, Peter's vision. Peter had a vision. Peter's vision was God's need to reveal that salvation is for all people. How many of you know we don't, we don't get everything right? Peter was the mighty man of God. He was performing miracles, signs, and wonders. He was out seeing people getting saved, but they were mainly Jewish people. People that look like him, talk like him, sound like him. And now all of a sudden, God gives him a vision, says, I want you to eat these things. And, and the word says he doubted the Lord. What that means is he couldn't understand the association between unclean animals. And it wasn't until Cornelius' men showed up that it began to dawn on him what was going on. And so the word says here that God gave Peter a vision uh, of something, he, he, he began to reveal something to him. And my third point is this, Peter's act of obedience was immediate, although he didn't understand fully. You know what, God's going to, to you as believers, God, to we as believers, we as the church, and don't think that Peter didn't wrestle with this in the future. This wasn't the first time that he had to face how he dealt with racism. In fact, it'd be later that Paul, the apostle, after he was saved, that he would openly rebuke Peter because whenever none of the religious leaders were around, Peter would hang out with the non-church, non-believers, 
to, to influence them, to show the love of God to them. But whenever religious leaders came around, Peter would separate himself and just hang out with the religious. And Peter op- was openly rebuked by Paul. This was the beginning of the revelation. This was the beginning of the Jewish mindset being changed, but it's, not, it's no different than today. We have racism today. We have separation today. We, we, we don't think to uh, invite our Hispanic friend over to our house or black friend or, or they to us or whoever. Um, years ago, back when we were, uh, years ago, I'm talking 15 some years ago, I remember sat down with even a, a member of this body that was here at that time and we just had an outreach and I said, we need to prepare for when Hispanics come to our church and they said, well, why would we want to do that? They got their own church. And I said, okay, the meeting is over. We're done. <laughs> this is a mood discussion. We're not, do you realize that the gospel is for everybody? My desire, my heart as your pastor, and you've heard me say this many times over, is to see that when people walk into this congregation, I don't care if they are white, black, Hispanic, Asian, African, South American, wherever they come from, that they would, when they walk into this place, that they would sense the power and the presence of God. That they would know that they are loved unconditionally. I heard a man's testimony just a few days ago. Maybe I think Eric knows him, but, but you know, there's a gentleman that's come to our church very, several times over, tattoos from head to toe, and he said for the first time, I've been to a church that receives me for who I am, who accepts me even if they see all the things from head to toe. My hairstyle, my look, the piercings or whatever it is, uh, that we would be as a body of Christ that would be willing to associate with, willing to love and to reach out to someone that's not like us. And so Peter's act of obedience was immediate, although he didn't understand fully. God is going to, God is going to nudge you in directions, and you may say, but wait a minute, God, I don't understand this. I'm not sure about this, but what do we see here? Peter went anyhow. He took the step anyhow. Why? What, what, what is our struggle? We like to judge it. We like to judge people by their cover. You know, when people walk into a room, we immediately begin to size them up. We begin to wonder, what's their story? Where are they from? Do I want to talk to them? Do they want to talk to me? But realize this, is that the gospel is for everybody. Amen. When we're down at Mardi Gras, we're heading down there in about six weeks again with a team of eight people. And, and uh, I remember on the streets, you know, we got hundreds of college SUM students that are down there witnessing. And, 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 and we challenge the students, you know, they, they stand there for 20 minutes doing nothing and just praying for the one person that, that, that they think God wants them to talk to. And they walk up to that person and the person cusses them out and keeps on walking. And, and so the chancellor told the students one day, he says, listen, all of them are lost. All of them need the gospel. Talk to all of them. So you may be, you may, you, God may nudge you to talk to so-and-so, and you're thinking, wait a minute. He's big. They're intimidating. I can't do that. You know? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Then again, too, it could be your friend. It could be something that you are, someone you already know and you're worried about how is this going to change the dynamic of our relationship. 
What's, gonna, what's work going to be like tomorrow? Next time I run into them, the next time I see them at the bank, how is it going to change the relationship tomorrow? But realize this, the Bible says in Isaiah, today is the day of salvation. If God opens up a door for you, an opportunity to show the love of God and to share, and believe it or not, like, Peter, like, the, like I said earlier, you have something to say. Don't think you have nothing to say. God will put the words, all the word that's in you, the things you've read and studied and, and pondered and meditated on, he will bring it back to you. You do have something to say. And when you begin to speak and when you begin to share, God will, God will take those words and touch their heart. Because I'm telling you here again, I can't emphasize it enough, people are looking for, they, they may look like they got it all together. Your friend might even act like they got it all together. But today is the day of salvation. And the proverb says that no one can boast about tomorrow because no one is guaranteed another day. You may show up to work this week and someone's not there. Why? They died. They're gone. It's a place of no return. Do you realize once you hit death, there is no coming back? There is no return. The decision about eternity has been made. The decision you make, the decision they have made, it is once. Hebrews tells us that man lives and then man dies and then comes the judgment. Meaning that we have but one opportunity to see them, to, for, to, to live this life or to accept Christ. And realize, and, and know this, you know, it's not going to take me, a pastor, or an evangelist. It's going to take you, the church. It's we, the church, going out into the street, going out into our neighbor's house, hanging out, having them for dinner, sharing a meal with them, going to lunch with them, shoveling their driveway, shoveling their sidewalk, doing acts of Because why? Because you have compassion for them. What is, your motiv and, and what is your motivation? It's the love of God. Because believe me, again, everybody is looking for significance. There's one family here that they were here earlier helping us prepare for service and had to go home. They've been up all night, and they said, you know what, Pastor, I would, we, would, we want to be here, but we've been up half the night because a close relative of ours was up half the night com contemplating suicide. Do you know why an individual would contemplate suicide? It's because they don't feel like they have significance. They don't feel like they're loved. Yes, mom and dad loves that young person, but yet they need to know the love of God. They need to know that they have a purpose. They need to know that there's a plan for their life. They need to know what their future holds. And you as the believer, I as a believer, we are here. God intentionally chose to use you and me to share the gospel. He will not go outside of the body of Christ. He set up the body of Christ for this very reason. And that is to see his kingdom grow. That is to preach and declare and share and pray and do this word. Amen? And so we see here that Peter went, even though he didn't understand, and lastly, my last point, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit proved that he as a Gentile was significant. That he was accepted. The Bible says that as Peter was just sharing the word of God, sharing about Jesus Christ, 
See, when you share the word of God, things happen. When you share the love of God, things happen. All of a sudden, the, the presence of God that we have felt in this place today, they felt it in that little house. Cornelius had had, a, had all of his relatives and all of his employees in the house ready for when Peter came. And he said, just tell us whatever God puts on your heart. We want to hear it. We need to know. And when Peter began to speak those words about Jesus, all of a sudden the Spirit of God, like what we have felt here today, the Spirit of God began to move on them. And all of a sudden miraculous things began to take place in that family. And Cornelius, while Peter was getting a revelation regarding prejudices, Cornelius was getting a revelation of the love of God. He was realizing God does love me. I don't have to sit in the back of the bus. I don't have to take what's left over. I don't have to take second best. Those are the people you're facing every day. Those are the individuals that you know every day. And those are the ones that God loves. And we love what God loves. Amen? And so I want to challenge this with you today. Number one, do you feel significant? Do you realize that God loves you? Do you realize that God has a purpose for you? Do you realize that God has a plan for you? You single mothers, God knows you by name. You single fathers, God knows you. He knows the struggles you're going through. He sees you in your bedroom at night, closing the door and filling your pillow with tears, saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. He knows you, mom and dad, who've lost a son or lost a daughter. He knows you, a family who has a family addicted to drugs or, or, or just lost altogether. He knows you like he knows Cornelius. He says, Cornelius, you've got my attention. I hear your prayers. I want to bless you. I want to pour out my spirit on you. I want to love you. God wants to love you today. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Can I do this? And maybe you're fairly new with us and maybe this doesn't feel altogether comfortable, but, but can I do this for just a moment? Would you be willing to allow me to lead you in prayer here this morning? But what I'd like to do is this. I'd like to ask, can we just fill up this front? We're kind of a, we have a decent crowd, but we're kind of smaller than normal because of the weather. But we, can we just kind of come close and pray together and, and ask God to do a, a, a work in our heart. I want you to take this word that you've just heard today and say, God, open my eyes. God, reveal to me, show me. Squeezing close so those coming behind you can, can come to the front. But I'm believing, I feel like this word is a timely word. Because I believe that God has called this body of Christ to do great things. He's called us to see our city saved. To see those who do not know Christ right now. I pray that after pursuit, we would see new faces in this crowd. Your unsaved husband, your unsaved wife, your unsaved son or daughter, your, your unsaved co-worker or employer or employee or neighbor. I pray that, that you would see them not just come to Christ, 
but begin to live a lifestyle like the word calls for. A book of Acts lifestyle, a, a lifestyle Christianity. And so would you do this, just everybody do this, put your hands over your heart. Because what we're talking about is a heart condition. I know this is our physical heart, but it represents our spiritual heart this morning. And to begin to say, Lord, and, and maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have been looking for significance all my life. The Bible says that all you have to do in, Rome, in the book of Romans, in the Bible, book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, what does that mean? Just put confidence in him to say, Lord, I can't do this. It's on you. I see you as God's gift to me. You make me significant. You make me feel loved. You make me feel valuable. I need you. I need you to forgive me of all the garbage, all the junk, every misconception, every lie that I've been believing, everything that I've been doing because of it. God, forgive me of that. And Lord, come and, and make me new. Clean me up. Wash me. Get rid of all the garbage. You can pray that to yourself. Even as I'm talking, you can say, Lord, that's me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. But secondly, as I talk to you at large, I know that there are believers in the house of God, and I'm not talking about just this church, but believers in the body of Christ that are still searching for significance, still groping, wondering, does God really love them? Does God really care? And I'm going to pray right now, and as we're praying, I'm going to ask that God, the Holy Spirit, would begin to just overwhelm you, overtake you, begin to give you a new revelation of his love for you. Can you, can you believe me for that? Can you believe me for that? Believe, I should say, believe him for that. And so I want you to close your eyes. Don't talk to anybody else. Just talk to God. Don't be distracted because this is you and him. Cornelius had God's attention. I want you to get God's attention this morning to say, God, I'm that one. I've been doing things well. I've been searching you, but Lord, I need a breakthrough in my life. I need a change of heart, change of mind. I need a new perspective. I need, I, I need a breakthrough. I don't want to keep going back to the old habits and going back to the old way of thinking, but rather I want a renewed mind. I want to know who I am in your eyes. And so, Lord, right now, I just pray by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that you would begin to breathe Begin to breathe right now on every believer in this house, on every individual in this house, dear God. I pray, dear God, that even as the word that has been spoken, I pray that there would become a, a revelation, uh, an aha moment, a moment of saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for loving me. In fact, why don't you do that? Just in your prayer, just begin to say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for coming to me. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Oh God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the change. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the love. Thank you for your compassion on me. When nobody loved me, you loved me. When nobody cared, you cared. When nobody understood, you understood. Lord, I want to thank you for that. God, I want to thank you for that. I want to praise you for that. I want to rejoice in that. In the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray over every individual. 
God, clear out, dear God, clear out the garbage, clear out the the, the, the lies of the enemy, dear God. Reveal Jesus. Jesus is all truth. May Jesus be revealed right now in Jesus' name. May Jesus be revealed. May we see you, Lord. See you in our hearts. See you in our mind. Begin to have an encounter with you. In the name of Jesus.